Because they don't want to be. Jesse, don't say that! Oh my god, you're so embarrassing! Hello there friends and welcome to the first episode of a podcast called Know You Better. My name is Jonathan Cardwell and I am, I guess, technically your host. And this is a podcast where I interview interesting people to ask them questions about the interesting things that they do with their lives. Be it a job, a hobby, a sport, uh, whatever. If you've got something interesting, let me know. We'll talk about it. In this first episode, I'm talking to my friend Sally. She is an interpreter, a sign language interpreter, a BSL, British Sign Language Interpreter. So yeah, I asked her questions about what she does for a living, how she got involved in sign language, as well as a whole host of other questions. So without further ado, let's just get on with the episode. Here is me talking to Dr. Sally Gillespie about her work as an interpreter. And I'll see you again at the end just to give you a rundown of the socials and how you can get in contact with us. But for now, enjoy. Thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. I was just wanting to ask you a couple of questions about what you do as a career. Yeah. So, okay. Um, pretend I'm stupid. What is... No comment. What exactly <laughs> is an interpreter? Okay. So, uh, an interpreter is the bridge whenever you've got two people that don't share a language. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically that bridge to communication. So I'm specifically a sign language interpreter, mm-hmm. uh, even more specifically a British sign language interpreter. And I communicate between people who use British sign language mm-hmm. and people who use English. Okay, very good. Um, I was wanting to know what was the, what made you want to do this as a career or what was the first sort of inkling that this is something you would like to do? Okay, so basically I was terrible at all other languages okay. and combined that with a real stubbornness that I was going to learn a language because okay, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I tried French and I was mm-hmm. okay, um, so I didn't really fancy it so I moved to Spanish mm-hmm. and um, well, I was told not to bother turning up to my GCSE because I'd be wasting everyone's time. Oh, uh, wow, okay. <laughs> for the record, I did turn up and I got a C. That's alright, that's a pass. But, uh, yeah, I was delighted. Yeah. Um, but I knew it wasn't really going to be anything more than a GCSE at that point. Okay. So yeah, yeah. when I was still at school, I decided um, to try something completely different, mm-hmm. but still trying to get a language. Because mm-hmm. like, I feel like languages are so important. Yes. And I love the idea of being bilingual. Mm-hmm. Just seemed like learning a language was my was my barrier at that okay. point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, when I was at school, when I was doing my ASs, I also signed up to a sign language course mm-hmm. for a bit of crack. Yeah. Um, because of where I lived in the country, that was going to be a British sign language course. Mm-hmm. Did my level one, and I I kind of made a bet with the teacher, mm-hmm. with the, the teaching assistant, and said like, oh yeah, okay, if I pass my level one, I'll do my level two. Right. Okay. And uh, and I did. Very good. It's like, oh, this is a new experience for me as a language learner. Actually, oh, passing really an exam. <laughs> I, 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 is um, BSL or, or all yeah. sign language? Is it classed as well, sign language? I suppose, but is it classed as a language? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> politically heavy <statement laughs> question <laughs> there. Um, but yes, no, it is a language. Okay. In terms of um, the the UK government, um, and then one year later, the Northern Irish Assembly at the time mm-hmm. uh, issued a statement. So you'll probably want to fact check this, but I believe it was 2003 in the UK and 2004 in Northern Ireland uh, Mm -hmm. where there was basically a a public statement made by the the governments Uh uh, to say that, nope, BSL and ISL Mm -hmm. are official languages, but that was the end of it. Mm -hmm. That was the end of recognition as such. Okay. So now, now that it's 
it's seen as an official language because up until that point it wasn't. You know, right. it, was, it was a it was a gesture system, like it was a means of communication okay. for a disabled population, and there's uh-huh. plenty of research, but it wasn't officially recognised by any you know any, any state and and that right, sense right, right, by, okay. by the yeah, government. Yeah. Um, but we don't have um, a BSL Act or a Language Act, right. um, other than in Scotland where okay. they more recently, I'm not even going to guess what, what year <laughs> it was because I know I'll get it wrong, but um, there is now a BSL Act in Scotland and uh, until just before the Assembly collapsed, there was a huge amount of progress being made in Northern Ireland to establish a BSL-ISL Act, mm-hmm. which was going to be amazing and mm-hmm. it was going to enshrine uh, deaf sign language users' rights in law, so okay. rights to um, be able to go to your doctor and use that language or okay. rights to you know request in work that you're allowed to use an interpreter because at the moment that right only kicks in um, in the uh, legal domain. So when you're right. in court, you have the right to an interpreter. Okay. Beyond that, your right to an interpreter is actually under the DDA in Northern Ireland Disability Discrimination, well, DDO, sorry, Disability Discrimination mm-hmm. Order. Um, and your right to use that language and your right to access an interpreter is seen as a reasonable adjustment. So right. actually, someone could deem it's not really reasonable for me to go to the effort of getting an interpreter and having to pay for that right, you know so we'll just write it down in English right so it's oh. it's kind of at the discretion of whoever yeah, the I mean, higher ups are yeah whoever right, decides okay. what's reasonable right okay um, that's so yeah like, that seems public crazy. health or like the um, health and social care board mm-hmm. have decided no if you're if you're deaf and you go to the, your doctor you will have the right to an interpreter okay but that's not a right that's enshrined in law that's that's a policy level right oh wow yeah mm. we get deep into the politics there, didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, sorry we'll go back to the slightly easier yeah. questions okay cool um so you said you started in school yes was that, a, was that a school ASS. course or was that outside no it was school? outside so i went to, okay. to college just one evening a week um, okay alongside it just to see if I could actually learn a language and yeah. turns out I could. So that's been, it's, I'm not going to give anything away, but that's since school that's been a few <laughs> years now. Um, so yeah. does it, because you've been doing it for so long, does it, does it become second nature? Like, as I'm speaking now, could you just rattle that off? Yes. So you could? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't make a great podcast, to be no, honest. Well, no, it's but, <laughs> but yeah. that's... No, for sure, I could... Um, because I, I am bilingual, so it's mm-hmm. near native fluency. You know, I'm not a native sign language user, so mm-hmm. I will never sign the same way as a deaf person who's okay. been born yeah. into a deaf family and grown up with sign language. Of course, because yeah. that is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I, I, I know I'll never get to that right, kind of okay, level okay. of language, but near native. So the, the level you're at now, what qualifications, this is where you get to show off, um, did you need to get to get to your level? Because I, I know what level you are. But you can tell. Do people. you? Uh, oh, well, I think I do. <laughs> I know. Well, I, no, I don't know what level you are, but I know what qualifications you have, or I did. Yeah. Okay. I'll Fair just something else. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but actually, the qualification that you're alluding to yes. didn't actually help me get to be an interpreter. Oh, really? But, okay. Right. Let's explain that. Let's okay. unpack that. Okay. Cool. Um, so whenever I did uh, my sign language, uh, the first sign language course, that was level one. Uh-huh. That's kind of your meet and greet, you know, I have one sister, her name is, yes. you know, I live in a big house, uh-huh. all that you're kind of, things that you learn at Key Stage 3, okay. French, yeah, yeah, yeah. say, you know, uh, then I passed that, I mm. went to level two uh, in another college in Northern Ireland, and that's kind of your equivalent of GCSE. Right. So from that, then um, I was applying to other courses at uni mm. at the time, and I wasn't 
really that interested in many of the courses, but I was I was applying to them because they were good things to do. Um, and I found this sign language course, and it was a four-year course. Um, but because I had my level two, it meant that I could skip the foundation year. Okay. So I went two years at college, part-time, very part-time. It was only one day a week. Mm-hmm. Then a three-year undergraduate degree course. So that mm-hmm. was a BA honours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that got me my level three. It also got me my level four, which is now equivalent to six. <laughs> right, okay. And there is no level five. And there's oh. never been a level five in sign okay. language. That meant that I came out as a trainee interpreter and uh, then took an employed position and they put me through my final level six which was the interpreter qualification so I had my level six language Mm -hmm. but then I had my level six interpreter qualification um, and then that allowed me to register as fully qualified so it's RSLI um, registered sign language interpreter so that was how I got to be a fully qualified interpreter yes but then, and then I worked, loved mm-hmm. working a couple of years, um, and then made the silly mistake of going back into education, ah, which okay. I can't believe is what you're. Oh yes, I, I was wondering because I was wondering. Um, you have a doctorate. I do. Correct. What is your your doctor in? Doctor Sally. Doctor Sally. Yes, <laughs> I should have introduced you. To that. Yes, oh, sorry. Well. Um, what exactly is your doctorate in? Yeah. So uh, my <clears throat> my degree was in interpreting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when it, it came to choosing my specialism for the PhD. I decided, you know, I wanted one on each side, so I am a PhD translation, uh, right, PhD yes. in translation, um, but it was looking specifically at BSL and ISL used in Northern Ireland. Okay. Um, the full title, if I can remember it, because, <laughs> you know, you got to have a lot of commas and semicolons in any good PhD title. Um, so the title was Linguistic Demographics, Resources and Deficit of Opportunity, Deaf Sign Language Users in Northern Ireland. What that actually means is where are the deaf people who are using sign language and um, where are the interpreters to meet the need that's going to be there whenever they interact with our majority English speaking mm-hmm. society and actually that imbalance between need and um, resource, what does that mean? So that's the, the deficit of opportunity part. <laughs> I, I had a sort of follow up question but I think I think you answered it already. It's yeah. like are you graded in your ability? Which I think you answered it. You're level one, level two and then you're Yeah, so level really one, level trained. two, level three, you would never dream of interpreting. So yes. that's just pure uh, language qualifications, okay. which are really useful. Um a lot of people get them and you know it just it means that you can have a conversation. You know okay. not yeah, necessarily yeah. in depth, you're not gonna talk about rocket science. But you can certainly like uh, at Queen's, the medical students have an option of doing an elective module in sign language or deaf awareness. And that means that whenever they meet a deaf patient, they can say, Hi, I'm your doctor. My name is this. Um, would you like me to book an interpreter? Okay, great. I'm going to go do that. Okay. Your okay. interpreter's going to be here in yeah. you know, two hours. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ideal world, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, since since you qualified, mm-hmm. if, if that's the right term, yeah. um, are you technically self-employed? Well, when I qualified, I was actually in an employed position because I finished my undergraduate degree and I wanted to come back to Northern Ireland, but Mm -hmm. actually the way Northern Irish interpreters work is we're all self-employed. There are no employed positions for sign language interpreters in Northern Ireland. Okay. Um, So... Does that relate to the... with the, um, the assembly? Thing no, Would it's that... just historic. Well, not even historically, actually. There used to be certainly employed positions like colleges mm-hmm. uh, sometimes employed their own interpreters. Um, there was a uh, big charity had their own interpreting in house interpreting team, mm-hmm. but 
just the way it happened. I guess Northern Ireland has always had very few interpreters. Right. So to try and persuade someone to come into a team and work in-house versus right. have the flexibility and the freedom of being self-employed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, also, organizations deciding not to have in-house interpreters anymore, you know. So right. combination of factors, but that was just the way it worked out. But um, So I, I finished my undergraduate degree and didn't think it was going to be a great idea to go straight to be freelance as a newbie interpreter. Right, right, right. And I, you know, honestly, I'd be making mistakes or like, I I wanted to, to establish myself as an interpreter and really get used to the world of work mm-hmm. with a good support network around me. You know? Yeah, oh yeah. So no, I, I applied for a job and that led me to living in Scotland for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a brilliant team there. I had a lovely mentor, a lovely manager, mm-hmm. um, lovely colleagues who... Uh, they because they had the experience they were able to say you know what this one you're going to shadow this one you're going to you're going to start okay but i'm going to be there shadowing you so if you're not quite getting things across or if you come stuck we're going to be there okay and then they would put me through extra training and then it was through that organization that i got my my qualification to get me fully qualified fully qualified okay uh, did you mention something there about there not being a huge amount of interpreters in Northern Ireland mm. well it's just basically are there a lot I mean has the number increased in say the last five or ten years of, of the amount of interpreters in the country yeah absolutely really? 100% um, but we're still not there yet we're still yeah, not at capacity yeah. is it more of a this is a bad analogy but um, the, there's a there's a push for more access, accessibility for say wheelchair users is it, a, is it kind yeah. of like inclusivity almost yeah, no, definitely people are making, I think their services and um, particularly councils are taking mm-hmm. note of accessibility in more than just physical disability. So there's, I think right, there's yeah. greater awareness of sensory disability strategies okay. um, and sensory uh, access <coughs> for sensory, uh, you know, disabilities. So, mm-hmm. um, and also invisible disabilities, which I would class mm-hmm. deafness as one. I think there's, there's certainly a drive towards more accessibility mm-hmm. and sign language is certainly there. Um, okay. It helps that there's there's a lot of motivation. There's a lot, yes. of, a lot of people crying out for it mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that was key to getting as far as we did through the consultation process before Stormont collapsed. Mm. Um, but there was certainly you know people taking notice and actually at that point it was the first um, consultation that had got uh, support from every single party. Every single oh, wow. party in Northern Ireland. Oh, wow. So it, you know, it was not <laughs> a, a typical political yeah. kind of bill going forward. Wow. So just support from everywhere. And uh-huh. then the assembly went. Um, and we are where we are now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I digress on that question. No, no. What was the original well, question? We're back to politics again. Okay. Fine. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, again, this is maybe related um, to do with inclusivity. But do companies... Um, as, as far as you know, has it been implemented as part of their policy to have, if necessary, you know, someone to come in and, and interpret if, if someone requires it? Yeah, certainly there are some organisations that, that that is their policy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, I would say the, the best examples, the example that I'm most proud of is mm-hmm. um, Belfast City Council. Because oh, wow. oh, uh, I'm a resident of Belfast City Council, so course, I can say, you, yeah. they're doing oh, it right. Um, so recently they uh, they created two jobs for language mm-hmm. uh, officers. Mm-hmm. One for Irish language. Mm-hmm. Turns out it was a guy that I did my PhD with. Oh, <laughs> so that was great to, to see him actually using. His, his was in Irish. Uh-huh. Uh, and then another for, and again, <laughs> fact check this, because I know I'm going to forget a language, but um, basically... Sign language, Ulster Scots sign language, and then um, 
there's a, a, a list of, of communication um, as well. So it's, I think it's um, basically other languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that they have an officer who it's in their job title is to be concerned about, right, how do we make Belfast accessible for yeah. these language groups? And one of those language groups that he's responsible for is BSL. Yeah. That's, that's oh, incredible. That's, I don't know really any good. other council that, yeah. apart from maybe Scotland where it's law and that's, mm-hmm. you know, there in Scotland, actually, they do have um, written into the BSL Act. Each company, each organisation has to have a BSL policy, BSL okay. accessibility policy. Yeah. So that's something that we could have if we had a law. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have an assembly to pass that law well, yeah. <laughs> yet. <laughs> so uh, I saw on Twitter recently that you were signing at Belfast Pride. Yeah, Is that right? they were really sweet. At the end of Pride, they like tweeted a photo of me and my colleague saying, thanks <laughs> so much for you know interpreting. Um, so they they are really keen as a organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very keen on accessibility. Oh, so yeah. they um, it's not just Belfast Pride like the the parade, mm-hmm. but they also had another couple of events through Pride Week okay. uh, that they they felt it was important to make accessible. That's um, good. So That's yeah, no, it, was, it was a lovely example, and, yeah. and it worked really nicely. And it meant that you know people could just come along to an event mm-hmm. um, and. And it was it was accessible. Yeah. You know, a lot of places you'll see events like that advertised, and they'll say, you know, at the bottom in small print, um, if you have any accessibility requirements, let us know. And right. that's fair enough because you don't want to book an interpreter for every single event, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially when there's so few of us. Right. You know, yeah. and then potentially no one will turn up. But mm-hmm. for an event like Pride, where there's just so many people from across the province and beyond yeah. coming to it, just to have it as standard was a really yeah. nice touch. I, I remember you saying, I can't remember when it was, but that yeah. you had signed. A gig, like a, a concert. Yeah. Okay. How does that work? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, there's some brilliant videos online of interpreters working at Glastonbury. Yes, I've seen one of those. <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, those guys just have it nailed. Yeah. Um, but yes, I I do occasionally work at um cultural events like that. Mm-hmm. So whether mm-hmm. it's music um concerts or plays or musical theatre or um whatever it is. Yeah, that is something I do. Mm-hmm. So generally, with that, you you need the script. You need the script. You need the right, set yes, list in advance well. <laughs> yes. if you're to have any hope, or you need to be a total fan girl and yes. know it inside. Of course, out. of course. Yeah, I had one of my one of my questions yeah. here is that like, how much prep do you need to do before a job like that, or can you just wing it? Yeah, no, <laughs> that is an easy question. Okay. No, you do not wing it. Okay. That um, to to do a really good job, you uh, you need to know what they're saying mm-hmm. what they're going to say at least but then you also know when they're going to say it in terms of the music but also right, right, right. what is that music saying so it's not just the English mm-hmm. if you were to give the, the English translation that would be kind of a, a very plain way of okay. of interpreting it mm-hmm. but when you go to a music concert you're not going just for the lyrics you're going for the full experience right okay so you want to know when the guitar solo's going you want to know oh, when everything okay. drops out and it's just the drums you know you want to you want to access everything. Yeah, of course. Um, but, I mean, that makes perfect sense, message. but yeah. Yeah, because actually when I go to concerts, I don't kind of care about the lyrics. No. It's the oh, feel. Wow. Okay. So that's why you don't wing it. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. And uh, again, not to put you on the spot, but how would you get that across? It's it's always a balance. Mm. Um, I've got to make a lot of decisions in absolutely no time. Okay. So I've got to decide whether in that very instant... Is it more important that they know what the message is? Mm-hmm. Is it more important that they know that there's a harmony being sung? 
do they know do they want to know that the drum beat's really kicking in do they want to know that there's a flute that's just coming mm-hmm. you know or a tin whistle or something concert assistant, you know, bizarre yeah. I know exactly <laughs> um, so because I've only got one set of hands right you know, yeah and maybe a slightly more mundane example but um, team meetings or meetings where there's a lot of discussion going on mm-hmm. uh, I will always say to the chair please make sure only one person speaks at a time okay because naturally we will speak over each mm-hmm. other we will say, you know you'll be finishing off your sentence when I'm coming in with something else yeah for an interpretive one set of hands uh-huh. I'm not going to be able to have that okay. coming across yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I can I can be one voice at a time mm-hmm. so in the sense of concerts I've got to decide what's more important right now one of the beautiful weird things about BSL that I absolutely adore is that um, unlike English which is linear mm-hmm. in that you say a word and then another word and then another word in sign language you can build up pictures so you okay. can use the space in front of you to establish something over here and then something over here and then you can show how they move together to interact oh, okay. um, so I can I can establish like the drums on my right hand side and the singer you know the the main singer on this side and then the harmonies kind of behind them so oh, wow. then I can very quickly show how they're all interacting mm-hmm. and go drums 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 harmony singing now we're back to this this is the English coming through and bang 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 we're back on drums oh okay, okay. <laughs> no idea how listeners are going to no, understand no, 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 that without, like, without the yeah, gestures that I was just making but hey good luck <laughs> no, like, like a, a sort of the best way I can describe it with my limited knowledge is mm. You, you're sort of you're sort of moving from left to right, uh, like it's sort of yeah, so flowing I'm one flowing into the other in front of me. Yeah, if you imagine yeah. it like a theatre stage. Uh-huh. I've got something on stage right, something on stage left, something's coming, you know, yeah. upstage and falling off into the orchestra pit. I okay. don't know, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. it is. So no, no, I, I, I think kind of the no, space I, that I think that comes across. Yeah, I do it's think like it comes a three D picture. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's good. That's good. I, I like that. Um, I'm going to get into slightly sillier questions now. Okay. Don't worry, no, we're sure. not getting too serious. Um, <laughs> this is probably naive of me. Why are there um, different uh, variations on sign language from language to language? Yeah. Okay. This is so, what, like, the difference between um, BSL, ISL, ASL? Is yeah. it American? Yeah. It's just American sign language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my head, again, naive, sorry, <laughs> yeah. but I thought it could almost be universal in a way. Yeah. This is a bad question. No, 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 no. <laughs> Do you know what? It's the question that I am most asked. Okay. Is, is sign language not universal? Right, okay. And I can totally understand why someone might think that, but let's go back on the linguist. Let, let's okay. give you a linguistic history lesson right okay. now. Yeah, no, okay. I'm more than happy. So I think the perception from people that don't, you know, aren't involved in, in this kind of this world, mm-hmm. um, the perception is that sign language was man-made. Someone decided that this is the sign for this, and now everyone will use it. Okay. But that's not natural language. And the languages yes. that we use are all natural language. So mm-hmm. if someone says, you know, well, wouldn't it make more sense if sign language was universal? Mm-hmm. Say, okay, well, wouldn't it make more sense if we spoke Mandarin? Because, you know, there's a lot of people in China that speak that's it. That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it wasn't, it's not an artificial construct. Uh-huh. Sign languages are natural languages the way spoken languages are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the first point that you need to understand. Okay. The second point is um, language contact. Mm-hmm. So whenever... Um, someone speaks one language, they meet someone who speaks a different language, they, they meet, they interact, and they establish kind of 
understandable communication. Mm-hmm. And that's how language is standardized. Mm-hmm. So in um, way back in history, your people would be using different communication, different dialects uh-huh. across even the UK, but you know, certainly across, like, I don't know, yeah, probably Where? most hey. of the UK anyway. <laughs> so yeah, different regions would have different dialects. Mm-hmm. But then as language contact happened, then language standardization happened along with that. And now we have in the UK standard English, uh-huh. basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, as standard as it is. Yes. <laughs> um, but that happened much earlier in history than mm-hmm. it did for sign language. Okay. Because of the invention of letter writing. Right. Um, because of the phone because of you know broadcasts on Sky TV around the world. So basically people were writing letters to Australia. Mm-hmm. Whereas to have language contact and language standardization in sign language, they would have to get on a boat and go over six months or however long it right, took okay. to get to Australia. Yes. And then have language contact. And then actually language standardization probably wouldn't have happened because it would it wouldn't have been the reverse uh, yeah. journey. Yeah. And okay, uh, okay. so that's yeah. Okay. That's, no, that, that's fantastic. That's a great answer. I would say um, it wasn't until the invention of the of the VHS mm-hmm. that really language could be sent across the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in, in terms of sign language, you, huh. you could record yourself on VHS, put it in the post and send it to America. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until that point, language contact, language standardization didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But what we've seen in recent years is webcams, video oh. messaging, yeah, yeah, yeah. video calling, and suddenly just the the communication for deaf people has exploded yeah. in that sense. Um, so I'm intrigued to see linguistically what happens over the next wow. you know, hundred years. Yeah. That's, but, again, I never thought about that. That's... Yeah. Technology has actually made it made for a really exciting time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's brilliant. I, I, oh, I love that answer so much. That's so good. Um, related to the uh, standard English. Well, maybe not, but mm-hmm. how does uh, an interpreter incorporate changes in language? Mm-hmm. and say even slang so for neologisms uh, in the English language that's that's a really fixed thing because mm-hmm. a new company will be set up and they will declare that they will be called Facebook and now right. Facebook becomes a word in yes, the English language in sign language it's unlikely that a new organisation will say and also this is our sign so actually it's over to the deaf community mm-hmm. and that's where linguistic theory theorists will really get very into this, but you'll see um, different signs emerging, mm-hmm. then almost kind of fighting it out, and then one dominant sign will will win overall. Okay. So when microwave microwaves were invented, suddenly there were like three, four, probably more, only three or four that I know, signs oh. for microwave. Right, okay. Um, people were using different things, and then you would say, oh, well, this is my sign, oh, that's your sign. Okay, let's agree to use your sign. It evolves in that sense, but mm-hmm. it's, it's from the community, the language community itself, rather than the way English words are created. Okay, that's good. Um, And this this might be a long... Actually, I'd say the the one exception to that, Uh um, well, no, actually not an exception at all. Really interesting how uh, the sign for Obama came around. Okay. Because um, Barack Obama was was, um, nominated as president. And at the same time, the deaf community actually kind of awarded him his own sign name. And okay. so there was, I, I wasn't in America at the time, I wasn't mm. in those circles, but there was a real kind of generating what that sign would be and then an agreement and then a declaration of, Obama, this is your name. 
in, wow. in ASL. So, and it's a lovely sign. It's O, as you would imagine, an O handshape. Yes. And then kind of high five with your thumb tucked in. Uh-huh. But then it does this lovely flick where your fingers go from pointing straight up to pointing across. And that's to represent the American flag, the stripes in the American oh, flag. Oh, wow. Okay. So from vertical fingers to horizontal fingers with this lovely little squish cool. of the OB for Obama and then a flick to the American flag with the stripes. That's that's pretty fun. <laughs> that's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Just... yeah, that's... So it's a, a lovely mm-hmm. quirk of sign language. Or it's, it's a lovely aspect of sign language yeah. that uh, people will have their own sign names. Yeah. So just like that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that so much. That's so good. <laughs> um, and again, this might be related to what you mentioned about um, signing at a, at a gig. How would you interpret, say, enthusiasm or sarcasm <laughs> through sign language? Well, sarcasm's with ease. Oh, no. really? <laughs> it's just your face? Yeah. It's, do you know what? So, um, signs are made up of three elements. Uh-huh. You've got your, your hand shape, your location, and your movement. So, okay. what shape your hand's making where in that signing space so on your theater stage where that is um or whether it's up by your head on your heart you know on your your face your cheek your chin uh-huh. your arm yeah that could all mean different things and then the movement that it does whenever you're there mm-hmm. um so that's the three elements of a sign but actually sign language is so much more than just the signs okay so whenever i am communicating with someone and watching them speak to me i won't watch their hands Right. Which is an odd thing when you start to just learn the sign yeah, learn yeah, yeah. sign language because you're you're fixated on their hands and you're thinking, what's the next letter gonna be? What's the next sign gonna be? Um but sign language uses everything from your hips to the top of your head. Okay. It uses your shoulders, mm-hmm. uh it it's if you lean in, if you lean back, if you tilt your head slightly. Oh my goodness, okay. And then all of your facial expressions. So facial right. expressions are known as non-manual features. Okay. Um, because your manual features are the signs that you're making with your hands. So the non-manual features will give an awful lot of information. Um, so it's how, how you modulate a sign. Mm-hmm. In English, we could say, I work, I work hard, I work slowly, I work. But all those adverbs mm-hmm. are incorporated into the sign and how I do it. Right. So I could do... The sign for work mm-hmm. or if I kind of puff my cheeks out and exhale while doing it that's working really hard right, or okay. if I slow the sign down and I'm kind of just like oh, my shoulders are down I'm not really showing it on my face okay it's kind of working lazily uh-huh so it's how you how you change uh, okay. the same sign so it's the same hand shape the same movement the same location yeah but I'm using everything else to explain how I'm doing it my, my only um, experience of sign language was the people in the bottom corner of the TV? Oh yeah, signing. <laughs> but now that you've said that thing about uh, like the their facial expressions or, or mm-hmm. how they would the, they would modulate what the what they were doing, mm-hmm. it's like do you sort of remember yeah. that kind of thing? Absolutely. Like especially when you mentioned like the the puffing the cheeks out. Yeah. So, yeah. So like nature documentaries think, and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because how are you going to describe in sign language <laughs> yeah. what that bird sounds like when yeah. it's shrieking at the top of his voice from the middle of the rainforest yeah. other than to show it on your face you know, there's nothing that my hands can do to yeah. show that but okay. how I, um, my shoulders are going up I'm getting tense and I'm going, <laughs> you know I'm going red in the face and that's how I'm going to show it yeah um there's a there's a running joke with a, a colleague of mine in Edinburgh mm-hmm. that 
you can never take a good photo of an, a working interpreter. <laughs> it is impossible because, my goodness, at that point, yep. someone's going to have their cheeks puffed. Someone is going to look gotcha. like they are so unimpressed yep. because they're retelling a story about how someone was unimpressed. Yeah, so, interpreters get really bad photos <laughs> taken of them. Yeah, the, you mentioned the um, the interpreter at um, Glastonbury before. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure you take a still from any point of that. She just looks like she's just kind of at a rave. She looks badass. No, no, she looks brilliant. <laughs> yeah. but it's, no, absolutely. If you didn't know, if you just sort of glance, you'd be like, yeah, she's, she's having a, good, a really good time. Yeah. 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 And sorry, this is my last question, I promise. Okay. How would I go about learning sign language? Yeah, so I went to um, one of the, the regional colleges in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them will have sign language courses. It's quite expensive to learn. Okay. And yeah, the, the availability courses isn't always fantastic, but there are um, a number of, of courses run by independent trainers, independent teachers, mm-hmm. which are really great. And I keep learning about new ones that are that are just happening out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would engage with your local deaf charity or deaf organization. Uh-huh. Uh, the two, I'm probably going to offend someone by leaving someone out, but um, two of the big organizations in Northern Ireland are the British Deaf Association mm-hmm. and Action on Hearing Loss. Okay. Neither of them deliver courses, but they're really clued into the deaf community and what's going on. So if you're stuck, I would mm. contact them. Okay. Um, or if you've got a local deaf club. So there mm. are deaf clubs across Northern Ireland. Ask about. See yeah. if there's something like that going on. That's all the questions I have. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so, uh, thanks very much for, for talking about this. Um, yeah, so thanks thank you. For Sally. Doctor <laughs> Sally. Apologies. No, that's good. Thank you. No, thank you. Hi folks, me again. Uh, That was our first episode with my friend Sally. Uh, Thanks very much for listening. If you want to get in touch, contact the show at KYBpod. Contact me directly. I'm at John O'Card. And uh, yeah, tell your friends. Like, rate and subscribe wherever you get the podcast. And see you next time. Bye.